This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Hey there, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I appreciate it because I've got a conversation that is in very rare company for me, I must say, because it's with Matt Johnson, who is the fella out the front of The The, an iconic British outfit that's been around for well over 40 years. The catalyst for the conversation with Matt is due to the release of The Comeback Special. It's a live album. It's a film. And he's also got a book to accompany the film and the album. They were released on October 29, 2021. So, of course, they're out right now. This is a chat that uh, comes along rarely for me, I must say. I think the last one like this featured Michael Girard from Swans. And incidentally... Both bands' music resembles each other, it must be said, as does the fierce intellect of both Michael and Matt. In this conversation here, we certainly go there. You'll hear us talk about social and political issues, of course, the dominating issue of our times, COVID, but more specifically, the political response and how partisan this fucking issue really is. Outside of that, of course, we talk about the music, and plenty of other topics such as his interest in motor cars, something else that I've got which I don't uh, talk about too often but yes I do own a V8 and I love talking about cars and engines and all those sorts of things but as I say it the opportunity rarely comes up but Matt being a fierce intellect has multiple interests so we're able to chat about all of these topics. For those of you tuning in and watching via YouTube we're going to dive into the conversation right now. As for those tuned in via the podcast, we're going to have a listen to a tune taken from the comeback special. This one is called The Beaten Generation. Religion 
the course been going in preparation for these new releases sorry how's what how have the phone calls the zoomers oh the good 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 yeah. yes all good been doing a lot of interviews the last couple of months all very very good um these seem more effective these zoom ones the old phone ones seem very um some of the ones to america you can't hear what people are saying half the time is it, do you this think it's the accent well. or, or is it just the way no, people... No, 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 it's the technology. Uh, if they use regular, you know, some of the phones that come through the... the, um, I've got a bit of a cold, actually, you might hear in my voice, so... I can um, hear, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, that's, a, that's a good sign from the perspective at least things are opening up over there now after the, uh, the COVID thing. I oh, know it's still going. Yeah, but... how about over there? Gradually, although we've still got hard border closures. Um, we're, we're, it's just bullshit, to be honest with you, what's going on. I get very frustrated with it because I know people that have lost businesses and losing their livelihood over it. And Yes, yes. It's, it's, it's been devastating. To, yeah, it has been, mate. And look, my, my perspective on things overall are that in countries like Australia and the UK, particularly with the um, – you've got an – is it uh, NIS? Is that what it's called over there? National Insurance Scheme, is it? Or like oh, our Medicare? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the it's like the NHS. Yeah, NHS. National sorry, yeah, gosh, yeah. it's been a long day. So apologies, but um, yeah, don't worry. Really, I, I think that that we should have set things up for people who who were at risk rather than locking down the entire economy the way that we've done because it's going to take us bloody decades now potentially to get out of this. Now we've got the excuse my language, yeah. mate. Swear word warning, but the fucking Olympics coming up. Like we need them. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's insane. Wow. It's insane. But if you look at Australia and Austria, people are under house arrest. Then uh, the police are going around arresting people, demanding that they show their papers. And this is for, yeah, you know, a virus that has, what, 99% survival rate. Nothing makes sense about the last two years. Um, nothing makes sense at all. Uh, there's so much contradiction. Uh, there's so much division. Um, it's getting worse and worse. It has opened up a bit over here, mm. although um, on the continents, Austria, Germany, and now um, uh, seem to be moving more towards some sort of totalitarian situation where they are harassing people in the street, demanding to see papers, and then putting them under house arrest. Um, very, very strange. The economies have been devastated. I know a lot of people, uh, little pubs and restaurants over here that have just gone yes. out of business. Very, very sad, very depressing. A lot of people's mental health has been affected. Um, you know, there's been uh, suicides, depression. It's it's very, very strange what's going on, to say the least. And it's uh, so much of it is drawn along party lines in, in Australia, certainly. And I think it's the same in the UK. Our politics is virtually the same, as you're probably aware. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's just been this hard left totalitarian mentality. Lock people down. You don't want anybody to die, do you? It's just been this constant line that we've been fed. Our state premiers here. So we've got we're state based, meaning I'm in Queensland, and we've got a Labor government, and Victoria's got a Labor government as well. And of course, we've been locked down the longest and the hardest. Victoria yeah, has yeah. had the hardest lockdowns in the world. The state of Victoria, Australia. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, I've, I've, it's unbelievable. That's Dan Andrews, isn't it? Yeah, and he's a fuckwit. God, he's a piece of oh, shit. Excuse my language. He looks like a yeah. psychopath. <laughs> he is. You're right. He yeah. is. He's just. He, I mean, everybody thought Jeremy Corbyn was bad, mate. He's got nothing on Andrews. Nothing. I mean, oh, yeah. I know. mean, that Dan is a completely different situation. Corbyn wasn't like that at all. He was quite a gentle person, anti-war and a bit more of a libertarian. But Dan Andrews seemed psychotic. And who's the other my, guy? That's Gunner. my point. Yeah, oh, yeah. Gunner. Yeah. Well, you know all about it, Northern Territory. I mean, he, he's a yes. Oh. Is that true? What's going on? I'm hearing all these horror stories in the Northern Territory. He has said he has said if you are anti-lockdown, you are anti-vaccine. Therefore, you're an anti-vaxer. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the broad yeah. brushstrokes that they are they are doing at the moment and forcing people to take positions, as I say, it is along partisan lines, is just unconscionable. And I just, I simply don't understand how we here in Australia have let it go because I've got a podcast and I talk about it all the time like this. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I feel like I'm doing my bit and I, most of my audience is in the States. And right. I let people know, and I get I get heaps of communication on via Messenger, Facebook Messenger, and, and the like, asking me what the hell is going on over there. I just send them the news yeah, reports yeah. that I feel yeah, comfortable yeah. sharing with them, and tell them what my own experiences are, which is that we're locked in to Queensland. We can't yeah, get out. Yeah, if we get yeah. out, we can't get back in unless we pay for a two week hotel quarantine ourselves, which of course well, these costs are the quarantine grand. camps. That, the quarantine camps that they've set up as well, right? Correct. I'm hearing about. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, unbelievable. Now, do you think these people are taking orders from somewhere else? Because a lot of countries are moving in lockstep over this throughout the start of the pandemic. The World Health Organization seems to be handing down directives. Uh, there are a few countries in Europe, Sweden notably, yeah. which has not locked down. My, my son is Swedish, I spend a lot of time in Sweden, and Sweden. Yeah. It's been very different. They didn't do hard lockdowns. They're no worse off than anybody else. Um, and uh, compared to, you know, somewhere like Belgium, which did very, very hard lockdowns, which has a higher rate of 
COVID. So nothing really makes sense in any of this. And it's causing people, there's a lot of anger, a lot of confusion. And the fear, the propaganda over here is a BBC, relentless 18 yeah. months of fear. And people are just terrified. You've got people literally in cars by them by themselves with the windows wound up with masks on or two yeah. masks on. Terrified. Go to the countryside, you see someone by themselves, an old person going for a walk in a field by themselves, all masked up. It's it's what the fear has done. It's pure, it's it's like psychological terrorism, really. It's terrified so many people. They can't think straight. And so they're allowing these despots to get away with it. I think, I think, yeah, I look, there's a couple of really good points in there. Like the first one would be. And we, I, I think somebody must be pulling the strings from above. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'll say that many, many times. I, I don't buy into any of this Q bullshit or any of this other crap, but something is bloody going on. We know it. Look in the States. How can one of the most unpopular people on the planet, Kamala Harris, how can she yeah. still be in a role that she is in right now? I mean, she's talking about fucking psychopath. She's, yeah, she's she couldn't even psycho. get past the first round of the presidential race, could she? She was so unpopular. Well, Tulsi Gabbard. Look, she, t- Tulsi yeah, Gabbard yeah. did a number on her, and Tulsi should really be the president, in my opinion. Yes. I mean, if she was yeah, put yeah, up yes. against Trump, she would have smashed him. I know. I like Tulsi Gabbard. The thing was, they rigged that, because after the presidential debates that she was involved with, um, they they Google then removed her from the search engines. People were so impressed with her, that destruction of Kamala Harris, for instance, mm. And then nobody could search anything about it. The whole thing's rigged. It's 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 something very very strange going on. But you're right. If you do question the official narrative, the the establishment narrative, you're called a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. You can't question anything. Uh, but there's things are so strange. More and more people, thankfully, are questioning things. What the hell's going on? Because I definitely think orders are coming from somewhere. People seem to be following a script. I mean, Biden doesn't even know what day it is. And you've probably seen Boris Johnson's performance the other day where he was it. talking about what the hell is he doing? And, yeah. Well, he's going increasingly. I heard an interesting interview with um, one of his ex girlfriends recently, and she was saying, she said, he's not the person I knew. Someone's got to him. He's, he's acting in increasingly bizarre ways. Maybe this sort of, uh, he was always known as a supposedly a libertarian and against what this, exactly the kind of things that are going on now. And maybe hmm. before you take office, you get taken into a room and you get told, yes, you can have this power, but this is what you've got to do for it. And when you leave office, you'll go on these talking tours and you'll earn millions like Tony Blair, for instance. Mm-hmm. That's how we pay you back. It's very, very corrupt, the whole system. So it's no surprise that people have lost all confidence in politicians. Yeah, and I really liked what you said. I was watching your YouTube clips and during one of your radio broadcasts, you were saying, look, they're not on your side. Stop. I'm paraphrasing you here, of course, but you were Mm. talking about how these politicians of, and I believe you were talking about Aviva Persuasion, and I believe it too, they're not on your side. They don't give a shit about you or I or our kids or our mortgages or our bands or my podcast or anything. They don't care. People have got to stop taking sides. They've got to see that we, the people, have the actual power. We are the movers and shakers, but too many of us are in fear. We're so scared. Yes, I would say it's about, I would say about 80, 20, you've got 20% of the population that see through a lot of the bullshit and uh, really know that something's wrong, but 80% seem to be hypnotised. It's almost like, you know, if you go into a um, an analogy after news, when you go into, a say, a theatre to watch a, a magician or a hypnotist on stage and he performs a spell 
mm. um, on the audience, but 20% cannot be hypnotized, but the 80% are, and, and it's nothing to do with intelligence. I don't know what it's to do with, but there is a larger percent, percent of the population that are just under a, under a spell. It's like mass psychosis. Mm. And you can't, I have many, many, many friends and family that I try to talk to about stuff and they now stop being the conspiracy series. No, you got to trust the government. Um, and if it's not on the mainstream media, if it's not on the BBC, the Guardian, the Daily Mail, they won't believe it, despite the, the oh evidence, God, yeah. how controlled those outlets are. So it's very hard to get across through to people. The BBC and the ABC in Australia, that's the same thing should be defunded in my opinion. I've done, I've, I've just graduated yeah. uni about two years ago. I did studies into the ABC. Let me tell you, like the BBC, mate, they don't have a charter that means that they can be impartial. They basically can promote whatever edit, editorial narrative they want and the oversight committee, whatever it might be called in Britain, whatever it's called here in Australia, I can't even remember the bloody name of it here. Of common has, in Britain, yeah. They, but it doesn't have teeth. So what, what can it do? It can't, like, it's not like it can suspend the paper like when Rupert had to disappear um, news of the world for all of their fuckery. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. what what do you do? And, and I, I especially saw that some of my fellow graduates at uni, smart people, you know, but they've taken this... This this leftist work, I don't know what you call it. It's just this totalitarian. I won't call it leftist. It's a totalitarian. Yeah, narrative. I don't think left or right has any meaning anymore. And it's it's mm. really um, top and bottom or whatever. It's not to do with left or right because you find a lot of you know in in America, for instance, the Democrats and Republicans follow the same foreign, foreign policy. It doesn't matter which one is in. Mm. Over here, you know, we have New Labour. Of course, Blair was the natural heir to Margaret Thatcher. Carried on all the skullduggery abroad and all the yes. privatisation mm. doesn't really make any difference it's it's a myth it's the old divide and rule and you have people the blue team the red team you have people at each other's throats but it's not it's it's actually they're all uh, put in power they're manipulated and I'm sure many politicians I'm sure many of them are, when they get into it they get into it for the right reasons but they soon find they, they will not get anywhere unless they come on board and agree to a certain agenda. They'll be marginalised, ridiculed and cast yeah. out and not taken seriously. But if they if they if they don't, they do what they're told to do. It's like when Blair won, um, when New Labour under Blair first won, I think it's 97. You know, uh, apparently who the first visitor at Downing Street was when he won power. Rupert Murdoch went in through the back door probably right? to explain what his agenda is. Because Murdoch had got behind yeah. Blair leading up to that and then obviously claimed that. credit. Yeah. 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 Um, because they 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 all follow the same agenda basically. And did that with this, Kevin Rudd here in 2007. Yeah, yeah they, as soon as they get yeah. behind somebody, they're in. I don't know whether their power is as broad as what people like to think it is these days because of the frack. Yeah. The, the yeah. traditional yeah. media has just been splintered. Been, I mean, it's, yeah. where do you get your news from these days? 17, 18, 20, 100 different sources. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but but I think I think people still like to think, especially here in Australia, there's always Rupert bashing, but it's like, I don't think he gives a shit what we do in our day-to-day -day these days. Like he's 90, whatever he is, or 80, whatever he is at the moment. I don't know how much true power he has, but I do I do think the public broadcasters have a lot of power because they're they're effect, they, they don't have to turn a profit. They don't yeah, have yeah. they can broadcast whatever they want to whichever audience they want, and they can more or less turn into CNN. And I think that yeah, yeah, the BBC's become so outrageous even a lot of its biggest supporters here can't bear watching it anymore um it's it's so 
off the scale, the propaganda, the, the manipulation. People are very upset. And there's, there is increasing calls to defund it. You know, just don't pay the license fee, don't support it. So, for instance, over here, there were uh, massive demonstrations. You know, I, I went on a couple of them. It was probably the yeah, biggest demonstrations I've ever seen. It's big, certainly as big as the Iraq, uh, anti-Iraq war ones that I went mm. on many years ago. Uh, filing past the BBC could be a million people, but it didn't happen, according to BBC. Yeah. There was no mention of it anywhere. And so it's it's really like the Orwellian 1984 memory hole. You know, it just, you delete it, didn't happen, um, therefore ignore it and it will go away. And um, it's quite astonishing. And more and more people are, I think their, their viewing figures are, are going down. The problem is, of course, they people invite it into their home because they want to see, say, David Attenborough, wildlife documentaries or yeah, poetry very programs, music yeah. programs. Yeah, so you, you, there's a lot of things that people like, they feel comforted by. There's there's a lot of decent programming, or there was. And of course, but part of the deal is um, is that you've got to then swallow the uh, the propaganda. And there's a funny joke, what was it? People say, well, at least the North Koreans get their propaganda for free. We've got to pay a licence fee yeah. for it. Yeah. How have... I've got to ask then, I've spoken to plenty of musicians on both sides of the Atlantic over the years, but you're remarkably resistant to this propaganda. You're a free thinker. You're an individual. You've got a libertarian outlook. It's certainly, you've always struck me as that while you're listening to your music, as I have done through the years. Why, why do you, you seem to be by, I can't really name anybody else like you. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of, even John Lennon, Lennon, from the Sex Pistols has recently come out and sounds more like a neocon. So, oh, yes, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying. But I mean, but you yeah, seem to have yeah. retained your sense of your sense of humanity about your outlook. And I'm not saying John hasn't, but I'm simply saying you. We share a lot of opinions, and we've just met. But I've been listening to your music for a fair fair amount of years too. So, is it just because you've remained educated and informed? Do you think when others have decided it's just too easy to believe the propaganda, as we've decided to call it, that's just out there, whatever it might be? Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't speak for others, but I I um I do <clears throat> read a lot um all across the spectrum. You know, I I I I haven't had a television for 25 years, so that probably helps. Oh, but wow. I do get my my news from m multiple sources, left, right, in the center, just to sort of compare and contrast, really, because obviously the news that's presented through the mainstream is the is the propaganda of the day. And so I then like to look behind the stories. And, and also be prepared to change your mind. I think the problem is um, if we have very fixed positions and our egos get involved, we, we try to sort of defend positions even if the evidence doesn't back it up. And I don't know, I, 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 I'm concerned about this increasing division that's being whipped up and the hatred because it benefits certain people when you have a population that are at each other's throats and there are you know, strings being pulled in the shadow. It's the old classic old British imperial divide and rule, divide and conquer, well, which mm -hmm. goes back way before that. But I think just being um, curious, open-minded, um, and I, I'm a believer in free speech, free expression. You know, free speech is not just for people that we agree with it's for I, i'm very alarmed at the increase yes. in censorship across Absolutely. all the social media channels people being yeah. kicked off we have to fight for free speech even for people that we disagree with i think it's it's, it's the lifeblood of a democracy and we don't have a functioning media anymore it's it's really propaganda channels and they're trying to bring in they bring in these new laws 
Inoc- under innocuous names like the online safety bills, which is essentially to shut down what they call well, fake news and misinformation. Well, we know where most of the fake news comes from is, is the official channels. Mm. And they've been caught out over recent decades because of the growth of alternative news. And uh, so they want to stamp that out. They don't want to have any alternative opinions. So they, they bring in these laws, regulations, they used, yes, very sort of innocuous terms, as I said, like online safety. Well, who could disagree with online safety? We all want yeah. everyone to be safe. But once you dig deeper into it, it's it's like a censorship bill. It's to, it's to shut down debate and to shut up alternative viewpoints. And, and anybody that disagrees with the establishment line, the official narrative, would then be viewed as a domestic terrorist. It's yes. quite outrageous what's going on. Nailed it. You just nailed it in that that bit there that you just said yeah totally yeah it's the same here it's the trojan horse thing it's labeling things as being something like here we've got something called safe schools well it's bloody anything but it's this this, yeah. this alternative yeah. viewpoint of all of these psychotic ideas hey i'm no prude let me tell you i mean you can i mean i love music i love getting out there doing different things and the like but as soon as you start teaching 10 year olds how to jerk off stop it oh, for god's yeah, sakes yeah yeah this sort yeah, of this yeah. sort of shit needs to stop and it needs to stop now i mean we we both got kids, so we're. We, I mean, we've got massive skin in this game, and mm-hmm. I, I, I just. Think, of course, they label it with all of these touchy, feely, yeah. you know, boilerplate statements like safe schools and whatever else it might be, and it makes it very hard to challenge because the layperson, the person in the everyday, as soon as you go, I don't like safe schools, it's like so you don't want safe safe schools. It's like no, no. It's yeah, it yeah. dig deeper than that. Do you understand the policy? Do you understand what yeah, this yeah. will mean? What what sort of what sort of subjects are going to be introduced to the syllabus and the curriculum as, as part of this program? You've got to dig deeper on these things, people. I know, I know. And unfortunately, a lot of people, they don't have the the time. They will just read the the, the newspaper they've always read, watch the news, and uh, don't have the time or the inclination to, to dig deeper. But it's a very, very uh, a crafty, manipulative use of language. Um, you know, and there's all these think tanks and foundations, and they behavioural scientists, of course, are heavily involved. Nudge units. You know, we've had over here the people that behind, uh, I think it was SAGE, it was the advisory group for the government here. It had more behavioural scientists on it than virologists or epidemiologists. Yeah, It just shows you it's to manipulate. And the same thing goes, you know, the, the democracy's been hijacked by these these shadowy groups, these think tanks and foundations, the funding comes from somewhere. We're not quite sure where, of course, because it's very shadowy. And mm. it's to manipulate us. It's an abuse of democracy. And so, um, you know, people don't know what they're voting for half the time. They, they, they can't get the information unless they really, really spend time digging. You've long had your finger on the pulse, as I've mentioned, but let's just talk about your song titles for a moment. The Beaten Generation, Armageddon Days, Here We Are Again. Uh, We Can't Stop What's Coming, even Phantom Walls, okay? I mean, these all speak the sweet bird of truth. There's another one. I mean, all of these songs talk about, in in, in abstract ways, it might might be said, but they talk about in some ways, in my opinion, what we're talking about here. So as I say, you've been talking about and singing about some of this stuff for damn near, what is it, 40 years, if you can believe it, at this yes, point? Yes, 42 years now, yeah. For, 42 years. So it's you, 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 as I say, you've, you've always had an eye on these sorts of things and it's so refreshing to hear that you agree with someone like myself, someone like me, as I say, we've just met, but I'm 43 years of age. I've certainly lived long enough to understand that we're being fucked with at the moment. There's a lot of manipulation going on. But 
Did, did you have you always got a lot of feedback about your lyrics and even about your song titles about what that might be hinting at? <clears throat> well, more and more as time's gone on. But I remember when when Mind Bomb came out, I took a terrible hammering. Um, but by the press in the UK, not abroad, actually, it got very well received, but I've gone mad, I'm loony, conspiracy theorist. And then a few decades after that, people saying, oh, you're a prophet or that, you know, how did you yeah. know? But of course, I'm not a prophet and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I just read, um, go out into the margins and look around. And of course, as I've been, I've had a lot of abuse on social media. Mm recently last year when I was just questioning what was going on here. Ah, conspiracy theorist, loony, but I, I feel I'm right. I feel there's something really dark and sinister. Right from the outlet, as soon as this thing happened, I, nothing made sense to me. It was I was very well aware we're being heavily manipulated. Um, nothing really made sense. And so it's a case of intuition and instinct. And unfortunately, the way that particularly Western society. It's always like trying to cut us off from our instinct. You know, the, the culture has become increasingly infantilized. infantilized. Yeah. And we're almost um, manipulated not to trust our instincts. But I think people have got to trust their intuition or instinct. It's what makes us human. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's something, you know, the the alarm internal alarm bells have been ringing over this situation for a long time. But as I said, you're up against a majority that are quite sleepwalking and don't really and, and, and believing too much what they're being told. Um, but yes, so it's, if you choose to swim against the tide or, or mm-hmm. um, you're going to take a certain amount of abuse and a lot of people do take abuse, uh, but, but they're just, they're only doing it to, to help other people. Um, there's a lot of people being kicked off social media. that are just trying to raise an alarm because their intuition is telling them, something's wrong. I've got to do something to, to raise the alarm. And then they get abused for doing that. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, you know, I think, or fortunately, there are a lot of people that are still speaking out. Obviously yourself, many people all over social media, radio stations, uh, artists, musicians, ordinary people in the streets. There's a sizable amount of people that are trying to ring the alarm bells to say, look, something is amiss here. So with regards to social media, do you get the, I mean, maybe people feel like as though you're unobtainable, meaning that you're you're in the public spotlight and if they send you a message, you won't read it. But I, I know for me, all I get is very nice, very positive comments all over the world, by the way, from Europe, from Britain, Ireland, um, from the United States, people saying, yeah, I agree with you. I totally, I don't know what the hell's going on here. But are you receiving those private messages from people, even if you're getting bashed by people on social media in the public sense, in the comment section, are you getting the private messages of support by people who just, you know, they are scared of actually showing and demonstrating public support when you're getting such negative feedback in the comment section? Uh, well, the truth is I don't, I don't go on Facebook myself. I've got some you know, people that work with me, work for me that actually do a lot of that posting. So occasionally I'll dip in and out because otherwise I found it a bit, Oh, yeah, there's a lot of positive stuff and there's a certain amount of, not so much negative, but some negative. But I found that it, it gets so, so time-consuming yeah. to do, to, um, you know, there's just too many messages a lot of the time. So we post stuff out. We keep it. One thing I did notice with Twitter was that there was a bit of shadow banning, yes. I think, going on. And because uh, I used to post 
you know, years ago, a lot of political stuff. And I realised the political stuff wouldn't get wouldn't get very far. I don't think it's been seen by many people. And I remember at the time, a couple of years ago, I was thinking, this is very strange. And I mentioned it to someone. They said, oh, I didn't think anything of it. And then the story broke that they do shadow ban accounts that uh, say things that are too political. So although you think you're posting stuff up, it, the algorithms ensure that it's not seen by many people. Right. Yeah. So social media is is part of the part of the problem. I mean, it, it brings great potential and great possibilities to communicate with others, but it's also very tightly controlled. Facebook, Google, Twitter, mm. they are as much a part of the problem as part of the more part of the problem than the solution really yeah agreed yeah definitely yeah it's a, it's i used to think it was a yin and yang scenario there i don't think that at all these days i don't know how you, you correct it i don't think we can but um it's this whole idea that you can say things behind a burner account or an anonymous profile and you see that twitter is just the the is the alpha and the omega for that isn't it i mean the vast majority of people on there certainly anecdotally just from my own observations are using burner accounts or anonymous profiles and they're posting the most toxic, awful shit that they would yeah, never, yeah. here's the key point, they would never say it to the person's face. No. Not without no, a mob behind them anyway. No, it's absolutely right. It's a lot of bots, a lot of trolls, but also there's, uh, I'm sure you've got the same in Australia, but here there's uh, in the UK uh, a division of the army, I believe it's called the 77th Brigade, is set up. It's a it's a it's a cyber battalion that is it, their purpose is to go onto social media and shout down and abuse any posters that are posting anything that again goes against the official line. To and it's called being ratioed. So, for instance, the bots will, yeah, if somebody posts something, being ratioed. So you if they, they ensure that you get probably a hundred to one negative to positive comments. So it's it's a swarm of bots that then abuse and then. It's these, you know, behavioural science experiments where they found. I think it was the Ash experiments, wasn't it? Uh, where they would find that an individual is less likely, if he's surrounded by people that hold one point of view, he's less likely to put his hand up to express his point of view. Yeah, yeah. Um, not everybody falls into that, and it's, but but generally, it's a way of manipulating behaviour. And so by doing that online, you know, humiliating a certain viewpoint, many people will be too frightened to then put their hand up and back up that viewpoint. Um, it's very it's very disturbing the way that, uh, as I said earlier, democracy has been totally undermined. Yeah. And many people aren't, aren't aware that the you know, social media is one of the battlegrounds now. In, indeed. And, and look, you know, with all what we've spoken about, it can cause people to dive into episodes of depression um, and and just a general malaise, isn't it? But the, the antidote to that a lot of the time is music and a lot of that comes down to some of the music that you're doing too. So when, look, I'm one of those young fellas through the 80s. I'm 43, as I said, you know, so I watched your videos on late night TV here Um through the 80s and 90s, and I always thought you were a bit of a late-night treat. I used to call bands like the, the, you know, and Love and Rockets, this sort of thing, Pill. You know, you'd see this stuff on and we're just like, wow, look at this. It feels like you're watching something which is very different from a lot of the Oz Rock, which is going on around me at the time, ACDC or what have you. But, look, it's it's a treat to hear how you've reinterpreted so many of those great tunes, those song titles that I've already mentioned, at this Albert Hall gig. But here's the thing. I, I feel like this is less about you reaching for a new audience to sort of share your music in a different way. Rather, I feel like you're bringing people like me, fans, 
people for whom your music is a special part of their lives even closer by bringing things full circle in a more intimate setting. Would you agree with that? Uh, I would. Yes, I would hope so. And I think the, in a way, this, this album is a sort of summing up of the career to date and then allow me to then move on to the next, the next phase. But I wanted to, with this project to, um, because some of the versions are very, they're quite different to the original versions. Mm. So I wanted to make it as fresh as possible with the, the, the lineup that I put together, which was cold, not cold, but was pulled from different um, eras of the band's past. And filtering through this lineup, it, I think it gave the songs a real freshness, a real um, sort of dynamic sound. And it really brought them up to date. Um, you know, because the, the original versions, they're not going anywhere, they're on the record. But I, for, for my own satisfaction, you know, to, I didn't want to just recreate what I did in the past. Mm. And so the songs, I think, sound even stronger with this with this new lineup and this new band. And I'm hoping to sort of solidify and uh, the, the audience that was there and then bring in fresh, uh, hopefully, fresh uh, fresh generation of listeners as well to then carry forward onto the next project. Okay, gotcha. So that, that kind of answers why you rekindled kindled the fire because I was aware that you hadn't been performing live for, it's well over a decade, isn't it? It, about, it was about 16 years or something. Yeah. Wow, yeah. So you've got, I wouldn't, in someone in your position, it's not necessarily a day job, is it? I mean, you've got your finger in multiple pies. So what were you doing through that period? Well, I was doing a lot of soundtrack work uh, which I've always loved, film soundtrack, mm. doing a fair amount of travelling, formed a little book publishing company. Yes. Um, yeah, doing many, many other things as well, um, but just out of the public eye because, well, various reasons, really. But then there was a documentary made about me called The Inertial Variations. Yes, great, great documentary, by the way, yeah. Yeah, I was very, and that was my, my ex-partner, Johanna St. Michael's, his Swedish documentarian. But it was in that documentary that I wrote a new song, which was um, We Can't Stop What's Coming, written for my my brother died during the making of that documentary. Sorry. And so I wrote that song and performed that song live um, in my studio, and it was broadcast live Mm -hmm. and filmed. And that was the first song, new song I'd written in years, and first time I'd sung in 15 or 16 years. But I really enjoyed the process. I really enjoyed singing again and I forgot how much I, I missed it. And it was shortly after that, that my agent sat with me, we had lunch and he said, look, we've had, do you fancy playing live again? And I'd always turned it down, but because of this recent experience of singing again, I decided to do it. And then one thing led to another, we put sales and this, uh, the, 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 um, the shows sold out in minutes. Very, And I didn't know, I didn't expect that. I didn't know what to expect. And so the whole thing snowballed. And the tour ended up being um, one of my most, probably my most enjoyable tour in a way. And one of the most successful, uh, despite it being my first tour in 18 years. I didn't know if there was an audience still there. I just didn't know because I'm not somebody that hangs out in the music business, really. I have, my life is quite away from the music industry. So I didn't know what to expect, but it was so enjoyable. And um, 
we've we recorded all of the the UK shows, but I wanted to film the Albert Hall one because uh, by my friend, the director Tim Pope, because he had filmed us when we played there previously. We did three nights in 1990. <clears throat> but what made it more intense this time? Not only it was my first time in a London stage for 16 years, we were being filmed, we were being recorded, but my father died two or three days before the oh, show. Okay. So that was, it made it a very, very intense situation for me to be on the stage. My dad was looking forward to being at the show oh, and yeah. uh, family and friends were there. So it was the right show to film. It was, it was, a, the whole tour was, was intense and enjoyable, but that particular night was very, very emotional. And luckily I had such a, a good band around me. We were very well rehearsed. So I knew, and I did announce at the start of the show what had happened because I felt, you know what, I needed to get the audience. It's not that they wasn't on side, but I wanted them to know what I was going through because I thought if I make mistakes or whatever, they'll they'll understand. But luckily, you know, the band were very good and and we did a good show. Um, So it was, yes, it it was a very intense project. And then we... The, the the recorded version would have come out in early 2020, but obviously we went on a dystopian detour. But that gave us, during lockdown, gave us more time to work on it, to mix, to edit the film. And then we did a beautiful um, coffee table book because we had a lot of material. So it's ended up being a much bigger project than it may have done because I tried to thought, well, let's, think, let's try to create something positive from this lockdown situation. And... Um, you know, so hopefully that's what we've done. Yeah, I think you have done that, and and I've got to say, I, I was listening to it. In, I've listened to it a few times now, and um, so for people listening, the the album is called the Comeback Special, and it's recorded live at the Albert Hall. It's an Albert Hall gig, so it is special on a number of fronts, especially so. I've lost my father too, but with your father no longer being with us and being so close to that performance there, but I could hear the tension because I'm a musician too. Yeah, and yeah. I could hear it felt like you know what I was trying to think I, I like to come up with these statements if you like and relate them to the music that, that a great artist like yourself has produced and now what it reminded me of it's like swimming in a a very calm tropical ocean so from the surface everything looks really calm but underneath it are some of those violent animals known to mankind now I'm not suggesting for a moment <laughs> that your music is a violent animal but it's like that tension is like am I it's, if you if you go up to Cairns or what have you and you swim in the ocean yeah there's sharks and crocodiles there but it looks beautiful it's some of the most beautiful ocean you'll ever see anywhere but it's yes. got that tension to it your music reminds me of that well that's a nice analogy um yeah I do there was a lot of um I think do the you know, the band that I put together, the musicianship, you know, they're capable of that. And the way that we stripped the arrangements down, so they were quite taut and tight, tightly sprung underneath. So there's a lot of melodies. Tonally, it's it's nice and rich, I hope. But there is also a tension. Um, not just it, at any moment, it feels like it could explode and yeah, occasionally it totally. does explode. But uh, yeah, I'm glad that comes across. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of the recent Swans material, you know, Michael Girard. Yes, like it, yeah. Yeah, it had that same vibe going on. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's honestly yeah. I can't I can't give you a bigger compliment than that because I love yeah, Swans yeah. and what you're doing. Yeah, I like him. Mike. I've I've not seen him for years, but he's a nice guy. Yeah, he is. He's, he's one. I've got to say though, he's one of the few people I was warned prior to an interview to have. I think the, the language was, "Know your shit or don't bother." 
I didn't mind that because apparently he'd bitten a few people's heads off before me. But he, him and the only other one beside him was Al Dimiola, you know, the guitar great. Because he'd had a oh, he'd had a running okay. with a journalist only recently, but it was for very different reasons. A bit like that situation with Adele recently, where the the bloody Channel Seven Australian Sunrise. Oh yes, I heard did, about did that. You, yeah. you, I mean, why would you turn up to an interview without listening to the artist's work? Really? Like, no, he didn't get the email, did he? Apparently, is what he said. Oh, he's a liar because he, he would have got the album oh. in advance, and he would have got all he would have got the talking points, but they would have been all about her weight loss and all that bullshit. You know, oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't listened to the interview because I don't think it'll. Like, I don't, he didn't even get the interview, did he? But I'd love to see what the talking points that his producers gave to him because they'd just be garbage. Yeah, they'd just be none yeah, of them would be yeah, about music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Oh yeah, it's um. No, I'm glad you feel that way about your music, and it was yeah. But it just the, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. Um, the, what you were doing in your time off. Um. Tales from the Two Puddings. I'm, I'm going to read that book, by the way. I'm going to get it soon. Um, but I, I think you've only got, am I right in saying you've only got a few books released on the, is it 51st State Publishing? Is that the name of your publishing house? 51st State Press. Yeah, we've got yeah. more lined up, but because of the tour happening and everything, I've not been able to to do that. But Tales from the Two Puddings um, was my late father's book, Memoirs, um, a pub that my parents had in East London in the 1960s and 70s, which was one of the most famous uh, music pubs, music houses in East London. And uh, my dad always wanted to to write. He was a wonderful storyteller. Hmm. And uh, and he did, he wrote a lot of stories down, but for his 80th birthday, I decided to to publish it. And I, so I edited, edited it, published it. And it went very, very well. I got him on. Um, national radio. We did we did big interviews in in uh, London magazines. I did a lovely uh, event, uh, an institute that was sold out, and the book sold very very well. Got great reviews. So it was the best birthday present I could have, could have given him. And it's, it's still ticking away, still selling well. And there's talk of putting it, turning it into a. Oh, hang on one second. You're right. Yeah. Uh, possibly turn it into a television show at some point. And, and he's written a pre- prequel that I sadly didn't get to publish before he died, so I'm still editing that. And there's other mm. books that we've got lined up oh, as great. well. But, okay. uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm excited about them. Real stories from real people talking about things yeah. that have happened, you know, especially a yeah, pub in yeah. London in that era. Gosh. Yeah, you'll like music. it. It's it's a good a lot of humour in it, and there's a lot of uh, interesting characters because it was – uh, my uncle, my dad's younger brother, was a was a big music promoter in London in the sixties. He promoted people like the Who, the Kinks, John Lee Hooker, Small Faces, and so they played in the pubs. So it was a lot of a lot of well known people, footballers, uh, World Cup winners were drinking there, and uh, gangsters. Nice. It was it was a very interesting place to grow up in as a little boy. I bet. Does that does that sort of lean into your, your love for? Uh, am, am I right in saying this? Because I was watching the documentary uh, P Five a Rover. Is that where some of that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Got I've, it. Okay. Got I've, it. Yeah. I I've got them. a couple of them, and um, I, I love. I love. I guess it's the era you grow up in as a little boy. But I love the old Rovers. They were they were prime ministerial and, and government cars as well. Yep. And I've I've had a couple. I've had a the saloon version. And I've also now got the uh, the coupe version, but they they're a bit temperamental. They're beautiful cars, V eight 
lovely big um, leather armchairs and wood. Uh, but of course, they're getting old now. Mine my, my was nearly 50 years old, so they get harder and harder to maintain. And they're a bit prone to rust, so you have to make sure you keep them out of the bad weather. But they're beautiful cars, um, understated. You know, they're they're probably a notch above a Jaguar, but a notch below a Bentley. And they're, they're very understated. They're not flash. That's what I like about them. Beautiful cars. They were here in Australia, I believe, as well. And uh, yes, I think they had a yes. Chrysler engine in them in Australia. Is your is your engine a Chrysler, do you know, source? Uh, Buick. No, it was Buick. So it was Buick. a P5B. Yeah. The B stood yeah. for Buick. And Rover bought the Buick engine. It was a small three-and-a-half-litre V8, which Buick developed but didn't have a use for. And then Rover bought it and brought all the um, the tooling over. Tooling, so that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, Buick V8. I'm so glad you're an aficionado of cars. I've got a, a Jeep Hemi, you know, an SRT. I know people laugh at those cars these days, but I think they're going to be pulled from the Australian market soon. So, really, you, well, you can't really buy V8s in Australia anymore unless you buy an Audi or a Merc or a BMW. They're, they're yeah, pretty much yeah, out of yeah. ever since Holden, which is the same as Vauxhall. Um, yeah, Holden yeah. and Ford stopped doing V8s, which is about five years ago or so now. I mean, there's no, as, as you know, I mean, the world's going toward hybrid drivetrains. Um, yeah, or, or yeah, full electric yeah. drivetrains. There just isn't. So I think car, like cars like that P5 are only going to increase in value. Yeah, but they're going to start phasing out petrol, aren't they? Over in the UK, they say by 2025, there's going to be no petrol cars made anymore. Whether they can stick to that, I don't, God knows. Um, but then I said, I can imagine it being rationed and you'll only be able to take it out once in a while. But it's a lovely car. It's, a, it's um, an old... Uh, what can I say? A guilty pleasure. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're a class act, man, I've got to say. So, look, no, I'll wrap things up you. there. And, uh, look, I, I really appreciate this conversation and, that you know, you, your frankness and your ability to stand within truth um, and talk about this thing. So, well, my, final, my final point would be I've mentioned I host a podcast. Are you cool with me releasing what we've spoken about on the podcast? Yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, it, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's yeah. important to hear the things that you said from from you because it gives it make pe- people feel more empowered. Then, yes, yeah, and I think so. And also, you end up being you know, through social media. It's you get misquoted or misunderstood, but um, yeah, it's just coming from a from a point of view of searching for the truth. You know, humans, you know, grasp and gasp for the truth as they do oxygen and light. You know, and we and there's that sense that something fundamentally has gone wrong and we're not allowed to question it without being called a conspiracy theorist. It's it's to shut up debate. It's to, it's to put a tape around an area and say you're not allowed to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's behavioural science and it's working the way that it's forcing so many people to... Uh, you know, just just to shut up or turn against themselves or attack people with an alternative viewpoint. And I, like I've said earlier, I'm favour of free speech and free expression and exchange of ideas. You know, sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong, but that's how we grow and we develop. And by shutting that down, surely, um, you know, and censoring and uh, attacking anyone with an alternative viewpoint, that surely that should make the alarm bells ring for anybody. Mm. Agreed, and Matt. So you have uh, you you are a gentleman and a scholar. I want to thank you for for as I say, sharing what you shared, and uh, just for making the music that you've made. It is important because, as I say, people we lead long lives. And they're, they're full of all sorts of tragedy and dilemma and calamity and challenges and all the rest of it. And it's because of the music that you've written in many instances, a lot of instances, as a matter of fact. Certainly, you've seen the faces staring back at you at the Albert Hall gig, as you have done through gigs all across 
your career, yeah, yeah. it's very important what you yeah. do and it is very meaningful for people to listen to the music that you've created. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Well, you have a lovely night tonight. Will do. What are you up to? <laughs> Going out oh, for just, a few beers? No, no, the kids, mate. I've got young and so six and an eight-year-old, yeah. so uh, we are just in prime child-rearing phase at the moment, so I might be able to squeeze uh, in a bedtime story. Yeah, a exactly. Nice bedtime story. Bedtime story before I pass out. I mean, not from being drunk <laughs> yes. or anything like that, but just being tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so but that's that. that's what's in store. So yeah, but uh, but it's been a pleasure, mate. I, I look forward to this chat. I'm so glad that we've, it's taken place. So thank yes, you again, mate. lovely to talk to you. You take care. Thanks very much again. Cheers. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Gotcha. Well, there it is. What do you think? Let me clarify something. Up top, I compared Matt to Michael Girard from Swans, and, and I did that because they're both originators in their genre, and they've been very, very influential. That's what I meant by the comparison. Not that the conversations themselves were all that similar, it must be said, although I would love to have a conversation like the one you just heard with Matt, with Michael. I imagine that he'd have more left-wing opinions, but I don't mind that. If we can talk about things in a matter where we are trying to get to the bottom of things, I think that's wonderful. I truly do. But only people with patience and intellect seem to be able to do that, something that is missing from most political discourse these days. Thank you, mainstream media and Twitter, for creating the spin cycle of shitty views, opinion. They're not even views and opinions, are they? They're editorial. They're not news. Mainstream media is no longer news. It's all bullshit. The best thing that you can do, people, is tune out. Now, I'm saying that as a journalist. I am a trained journalist. I'm looking at my bachelor's degree on my wall here, Bachelor of Journalism, it says, and I've had scant opportunity to use it, it must be said, because I simply will not go into a career knowing I could potentially be peddling bullshit. Very sad state of affairs in media in 2021. It's been like that for about five or six years, I think, but it's just never been worse, never been as bad as what it is right now. Get your get your news from independent media sources and uh, sources that are trying to get to the bottom of things like what I try to do on my show whenever we have conversations like that. There you go. Maybe if I could be so bold and brazen as to say maybe I'm a source of news for you. There you go. Through the conversations I have. That's what I mean. So my name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. I appreciate that you have tuned in because... It means that you enjoy what it is that I'm doing here. It must mean that. Otherwise, you wouldn't still be sticking around listening to this lengthy outro. So if you're interested, go over to scarsandguitars.com where you'll find many more conversations, not like that one, I must say, but they're conversations with musicians and we talk about music, sometimes politics, sometimes current affairs, all sorts of topics go into the mix when... A new episode is posted from Scars and Guitars, the podcast series. I'm the only one who does this, so I have no idea why I'm referring to myself as Scars and Guitars. It's a bit weird, isn't it, actually? But whatever. I appreciate that you've tuned in. And uh, whatever it is that you're up to, stay safe. And until next time, it is a very goodbye for now. <laughs>